Welcome to the Age Reversing Blueprint Podcast, where we discuss tools and tips to help you reverse your age naturally. One of the biggest challenges that I find is something called Fenton reactions. So Fenton reactions are when uh, we combine iron with uh, something called a hydroxyl radical, which is a very nasty uh, free radical that gets produced when we're not putting out hydrogen peroxide effectively. And when that hydroxyl radical combines with iron, it's a Fenton reaction. And that Fenton reaction, it's like taking a flamethrower to your cell membranes, to your DNA, to your proteins, uh, to your fats. It's creating massive, massive problems in your body. It's like rusting on the inside. It is rusting on your inside. When you combine iron with oxygen, it's rust. So what I find is that you don't hear this a lot, and this will help you with your longevity quest more than anything else. And it comes down to supply and demand, right? So I always say, if you're not combining the food you eat with the air you breathe to produce energy, which is ATP, CO2, and water, then you are not producing energy at the level you need to. But the problem is, not only aren't you producing energy, you're also producing free radicals. So there's a lot more smoke coming out of the tailpipe. You are either making energy effectively and clearing the exhaust, or you're not making energy effectively and you're making a lot of exhaust. And when you do that, you're actually increasing your demand for more energy, right? Because if you're not making energy effectively, A, you don't have the energy, but B, if that wasn't enough, you have more inflammation that you need more energy to clear. So I am excited to be doing this podcast for you today because we are going to be talking about DNA testing. This is going to be a DNA testing autopsy, if you will. We're going to peel away the layers and tell you why it's so important for uh, reversing your aging. And I feel, I feel it's a, an astounding test. So let's talk about it. And ultimately, I've done over 500 uh, nutrigenomic or genomic test interpretations. That's not to brag. But that's to give you some insight as to it's not my first rodeo. I've gone down a lot of the rabbit holes to learn this information and ultimately see trends and see commonalities and see some challenges that I have my patient base uh, experience and they're looking for solutions. So let's talk about who this is for. This is for anyone that is wanting to empower themselves to understand what's going on with their health. Uh, also, it's for anyone that is really looking for answers and they haven't been able to find them. And they've been to 10, 15 doctors and they know that there's something wrong with their health. They're missing something. They know they're not crazy. They know their blood tests are not normal. And they feel like they're just spinning their wheels because they keep doing the same things over and over and over again. And you know what that is the definition of. That's the definition of insanity. So I wanted to talk to you about nutrigenomics or genetic test interpretations, not to be confused with genetic testing. So genetic testings are testing for rare uh, health conditions that um, that are looking at only one specific gene. So you pr probably have heard of by now, if you're in the longevity world, you've heard of 
the um, the BRCA gene, or you've heard about the APOE gene or APOE4. And these are one-off genes that research has shown there's a higher probability of developing in the BRCA gene case, breast cancer, or in the AP APOE4 case, uh, Alzheimer's. But I would like to stress that millions of people that have the APOE enzyme do not have Alzheimer's, and millions of people that don't have the APOE gene have Alzheimer's. So the nutrigenomics is really looking at the perfect storm of the genetic environment, the genetic uh, loaded gun, coupled with the environmental triggers that create the perfect storm. So we always say that genetics is the loaded gun or genetics load the gun and the environment pulls the trigger. And that's pulling the trigger is otherwise known as epigenetics or the things that environmentally stressors, toxins, pesticides, heavy metals, just life stress itself, uh, emotional stress, traumas, these things can turn on or turn off genes so that they express. So when we look at someone's genetic test, I always tell them that Mrs. Jones, first and foremost, there's no bad news. We are going to be looking at genes that are uh, are not working at full capacity. I hate the term mutation. It's not working at full capacity. And as a result, this can create challenges with fill in the blank, could create challenges with producing energy, could create challenges with uh, breaking t toxins and waste products down. It could create problems with um, making antioxidants. It could create problems with methylation. And when we say methylation, we're, we're talking about the second most abundant form of energy in the body. And that is required for building up tissues. That's why pregnant moms go on a methylated uh, multivitamin because it has folate in there in its active form. And it helps to build babies in the belly. Uh, but it also helps to break down uh, neurotransmitters, waste products, repair your cell membranes, repair your muscle. So methylation is a very important component of this, but I do want to talk about MTHFR and why MTHFR is, in my opinion, uh, just put too much emphasis on. I almost say MTHFR is to genetic testing, like looking at your cholesterol is for your for your um, blood testing. You can look at cholesterol and, and get an idea if it's very low or it's very high, that that could create a problem, but you're not looking at any other markers in your, in your metabolic profile. You're not looking at liver enzymes. You're not looking at kidney. You're not looking at electrolytes. You're not looking at white blood cells, red blood cells. You're not looking at other inflammatory markers. You're not looking at iron. You're not looking at any um, pathogens. You're not looking at the entire picture as to why that cholesterol might be high or low. And so MTHFR is a big, um, a big marker of confusion in terms of simplifying and say, okay, I just need to get off of folic acid or I just need to take a methylated B. And, and everything's okay. So, so let's talk about more about the, the process of DNA testing. So there's a lot of different companies out there. There's 23andMe, there's Ancestry.com, and then Dr. Lynch has his own test. The DNA company has its own test. We use something called functional genomic analysis. And ultimately, 
what I find now is the older the test is, the older the genetic test is, if it was a 23andMe or an Ancestry.com, the better it is because they've stripped down a lot of the DNA, the gene SNPs that we see uh, that are important for detoxing, for uh, creating energy, for breaking things down, for fighting infections, for methylation, uh, for iron regulation. They stripped a lot of those genes down so you don't see them anymore. So the older it is, the better it is. The newer it, the newer it is, the worse it is. Now, a lot of people have fears about sharing data and I don't know if it's true or not, but it makes sense. I don't want my data to be shared across um, someone who's willing to buy for it. And I'm not sure if the companies do that. Um, but if you work with a doctor like myself or someone else that uh, that gets their DNA test from a private company, then we are able to um, have you feel confident because they're not sharing their data with anyone and they make you sign disclosures to say, hey, we're not sharing this data with anyone. And what I also do as another fail safe measure is I will have the test kit mailed to my office and then I will register that patient as a uh, alias with an, with an alias email and then mail the kit from my office to their home. So there's no way of being able to track who it is or whose data it is if you are concerned about that, which again, it's a moot point because it is not being shared and there is, there is no concern with that. But I've had patients that desire that measure to be able to have that extra layer of confidence and security. So ultimately what happens is we will get the DNA results and, and it's a raw data is basically what it is. So it provides you with a raw data. Now, the concern with the um, test that we send out is that it does not have a ancestry component to it. So a lot of people who have done 23andMe or ancestry.com, those are the only two major sites that uh, if you've done it through them, we can extract that raw data. It's not a hard process. You just search, uh, download raw data in the DNA uh, company that you did it from, from 23andMe or Ancestry.com. And then you are able to get that raw data in a zip file, and then you're able to send that to me. Now, if that's confusing for you, don't worry about it. Uh, we will get our administrative people to help you with that process. Um, but the, the challenge with getting it from me, from a, a DNA company that does not share your results with anything, with anyone, is they do not have the ancestry component to it. So if you're doing that test because you want to find out if there are uh, if there are relationships or lineage or long lost cousins or um, uncles or aunts, um, true story, I once had a patient tell me that she found out by doing the 23andMe that her father was not her father. That was something that I can't help you with when I'm interpreting your data, um, but that was interesting. And so a lot of people will say that they did the 23andMe or Ancestry for that purpose. They wanted to find out where their ancestry was from. And then I let them know, hey, there you're suffering with a health condition. There's a whole other aspect to that DNA that you have no idea about that we can um, extract that data and really get an idea on um, why you're dealing with this health challenge that no other doctor has been able to help you with and how we can look at um, these genes and understand that it's the roadmap. And that's what I tell people. It's the roadmap to 
to why you're dealing with challenges. It's where there may be some obstructions or there may be some alternative routes where you you're not getting from point a to point b as efficiently so you have to go from point a to point c to point e to point f and then double back around to get to um, the next point c that you want to get to and that's the one of the analogies that i use is uh, it gives us an idea as to where there may be some challenges and and what's really important is Listen, I've gone down these rabbit holes. I've done all the Seeking Health, Dr. Lynch, MTHFR courses that you can get into. And one of my um, opinions is I think that Dr. Ben Lynch was fantastic at um, getting the torch lit and, and carrying it to the point of where he carried it to and put MTHFR on the radar. And I've been to every single seminar that he put on and took every course that he did. But I think what he realized, this is just my two cents, is that there's a lot more to the story. And maybe he bit off a little more than he can chew because there's acetylation, there's glutathione conjugation, there's sulfation, there's there's a lot of different uh, ways that your body biochemically creates energy besides methylation and besides MTHFR. And I think that's what bonded his um, not being as prominent in the, the DNA world. Um, but anyway, so um, we're able to upload 23andMe, Ancestry.com, or the functional genomic analysis results into the into the software that we use. So what I want to do, if it's okay with you, is I want to share with you um, what our software looks like so that I can give you an idea as to the process of how we assess um, your genes and come up with a game plan to increase your health, to reduce your suffering, and ultimately re reverse your age and, and be able to give you the tools to make energy effectively, because that's really what we're right, talking about. So I'm going to share my screen here and show you what this, this pure, this, what we look at from our side of the table. So I'm looking at what we call our genetic pyramid. Now, before I get into this, I want to explain that if you've ever done a genetic test interpretation, the information you're given is only as good as the practitioner is, is putting all these puzzle pieces together because it's very complex information and sometimes there's too much information and you really want to give the person the parietals principle of here are the most important factors that we feel are implementable for you to see these changes, because I could probably give you a thousand pieces of information. There's 22,000 different genes. And when you combine genes with other genes and nutritional uh, cofactors that help that gene work, or you have uh, environmental inhibitors or promoters that help that gene work faster or slower, now you're giving that person so much information and so much actionable steps to take that it's overwhelming. So what I like to do is I like to look first at that person's health history. What is this person dealing with? What are their main complaints? What's not working? What have they tried that continues to uh, plateau or, or revert backwards or um, only slowly improve? And, and what is the biggest impact on their health? Um, secondarily, realize that when you look at someone's genes, you're only looking at potentials, which means this has the potential to express and this has the potential to create major issues for you. 
but it doesn't mean it necessarily will. It depends on your stress levels, your nutritional levels, your 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 vitality, your constitution, um, your surroundings, your your purpose, your life, your meaning. If those things are not working, let me just stop and say, hey, don't even do a genetic test. Focus on the basics. Focus on getting your circadian rhythm tuned in. Focus on getting healthy natural foods. Focus on not drinking too much alcohol. Focus on not smoking. Focus on healthy relationships. Focus on um, on doing something that's purposeful and meaning to you. All of those things are going to make huge differences no matter what gene snips that you have. So I think that's really important. So let's explain what a gene snip or mutation is, because I think a lot of people need to understand what that is. And what we do is we use a couple of analogies. The first analogy I would use is think of a highway and a highway should have eight lanes. So we're saying in this case, the highway should have eight lanes. And if you, if the highway has four lanes, it's obviously not going to clear traffic as well. And if it has two lanes, it's going to have even a tougher time of clearing traffic. Um, however, if there's not a lot of cars on the highway, whether it's eight lanes or two lanes, the traffic is going to flow just fine. Um, if there's a lot of cars on the highway on top of the fact that there's two lanes or eight lanes, then it's going to be impacted more readily. And then if you have a car accident on that highway, then that's going to even slow things down even further. So what does that have to do with the genes? So we inherit genes from mother and father, and we have what's called these base pairs of amino acids. And the analogy I use is a lot of people don't understand this, and this is dating myself now, um, but there used to be these old credit card processing machines that you could put the card in the machine and then you could you know, swipe over it and create a transparency. The other analogy is if you don't know what that is, think about putting a piece of paper in the photocopy machine and the photocopy, the piece of paper was moving or it was in sideways and it just wasn't able to read it. That's what I, the analogy I use when you inherit an altered version of the, the base pairs of those amino acids that you get from mom or dad, um, which is called a, um, a single nucleotide polymorphism, SNP. Um, if you get one from mom and from dad, then you have two copies, not just one copy. And that's called homozygous versus heterozygous. Heterozygous means there's one SNP. Homozygous means there's two SNPs. Now, what I the analogy I use is if you have a heterozygous SNP from one parent, we don't know which parent it is unless it's considered an X-linked gene. And I believe MAO is an X-linked gene, which means it's from mom. Um, but there's not very many um, X-linked genes that we know definitely we inherit from mom or dad. So if there's a single copy, unless you see your mom or dad's gene to see if they have gene report to see if they have that specific copy themselves, you don't really know who it's from. If it's from both parents, and obviously, you know, it's from both parents. If you have one gene snip from one parent, and the analogy I use is that eight lane highway goes down to four lanes. Or if you have two gene snips, that gene, uh, that eight lane highway goes down to two lanes and it's not gonna clear traffic as well. In this case, it's not gonna replicate that specific enzyme. And depending on what that enzyme does, if it's helpful for detoxing or helpful for your immune system's response to gluten, or if it helps to clear out excitatory neurotransmitters, um, if these genes are 
um, not working at full capacity. That's why you might see uh, addictions, compulsions, um, cardiovascular issues, um, gluten sensitivities, autoimmunities that tend to run in families because you inherited that lane closure, if you will, so the or the lane slowing down. Now, if there's a lot of stress, stress in my analogy is the traffic. So stress would be if you're under tremendous amounts of stress, it's kind of like the Super Bowl or a, a sporting event all being let out at the same time. And there's a lot of cars on the highway, whether it's eight lanes or four lanes or two lanes, stress is going to make an eight lane highway equally as uh, compromised as potentially a two-lane highway if there's just way too many cars on it. And then lastly, the epigenetic inhibitors could be things like heavy metals, toxins, glyphosates, pesticides, EMFs, um, iron dysregulation. These are things, uh, infections, mold, lime. These are things that are like car accidents on the highway where now you have that perfect storm of a lane being four lanes instead of eight or a lane being two lanes instead of eight. On top of that, there's lots of stress going on in your life. So too many cars on the highway. And then on top of that, there's a car accident, there's Lyme disease, there's mold, there's heavy metals. So that's how we look at things. And if I don't know your health history, I don't know what you've tried. I don't know what has worked. I don't know that what hasn't worked. And I will say that I get as much information as something that didn't work maybe even more so than something that did work. And that's where you need an astute practitioner to understand, well, that seems like it should have worked, but it didn't. And now I need to figure out why it would have made things worse versus making things better. And that's a clinical pearl because a lot of my patients, rightly so, will say, well, it didn't work. It made me worse. I, I will never try that again. Um, it's not fair. Everything I try is, is worse. It, it doesn't work. Um, instead of taking the attitude of, okay, this is great news. Um, now I know that this should have worked and it didn't work and we can harness that information to help us work. So be very aware of the impressions you make when you assume something didn't work, where you're right to assume it, you feel worse, but you conclude that the information you got from it is not helpful instead of being very, very helpful and, and, and looking at it as half full. I think that's one of the biggest clinical pearls I can tell you is that the way you look at things and the way you see your experiences as being um, supportive and helpful and getting you closer to the next level of improvement, even though it temporarily put you further, is going to get you there further and faster than just always feeling beat down and this doesn't work and it's not fair. Um, again, you're justified in feeling that way, but ask yourself, is that serving you? Hi, I hope you're getting a lot of value from this podcast. I'm having a lot of fun explaining to you the ins and outs of the DNA autopsy and why it's so important for giving you the longevity strategies that you need. In fact, if you're interested in getting your own DNA test, then I have a special offer for you. It's 15% off our two visits plus the DNA test. That's regularly $9.97. But for today and the purpose of listening to this video, um, we're going to give you a 15% off. So that's $150 for $8.47. That's two one-hour appointments. And we really need those two one-hours to be able to go over the DNA so that you have a working diagnosis, marching orders, and an understanding of what you 
your susceptibilities are, how to craft a customized recovery strategy, and specifically implement that so that you can slow down the rate of aging, minimize your disease processes, and really optimize your longevity. So the link is bitly or bitly, B-I-T dot L-Y, and it's DNA special, but it will be in the link for you to be able to click on and save $150. But let's get back to the podcast and dive into why we look at your genetics the way we do. Talk to you soon. And um, so anyways, as far as this goes, we also look at things as demand and supply. So I will tell someone, look, the reason we're talking is you have a perfect storm situation where potentially your your metabolic profiles, your testing, they aren't outside the lab ranges. They are um, what we call a hidden um, a hidden challenge where it hasn't become bad enough yet. So it's like you're getting a C plus on the test versus a failing grade. And unless you look at these lab ranges from a functional point of view, where you're starting to see smoke signals, you're being told everything is normal. So that's usually the first thing that we see. Um, the second thing that we see is that your demand for energy is exceeding your supply for energy. And that would make sense, right? If you were a business and I was a business consultant and I was helping you increase your profit, one of the very first things I would want to do is decrease your expenses. Why are you on an auto payment here? Why do you have five different marketing reps? And why are you paying for um, these three different services? Why are you um, paying rent in a building you don't utilize? Or what are the different things are adding to your bottom line where a dollar saved is a dollar earned? And that's a really big, important concept as to um, how we can help you and figure out what is the demand for energy and typically the demand for energy is going to be energy is going to be inflammation and i'm going to explain what i feel is one of the biggest genetic susceptibilities that you never hear anyone talk about that i'm going to share with you shortly so so keep keep um paying attention and also make sure that if you have any questions after this podcast just put them in the um in the link that you're watching this video or just reply to me um right after this cuz i'd love to answer it for you so, okay, so as far as um, talking about demand and supply, we're talking about um, supply now. So supply can be, first thing that I look at is food. Are you eating enough? Are you getting enough calories? Um, supply would be, are you assimilating it? Are you able to methylate effectively? So MTHFR is on the supply side of things, whereas histamines, mast cell activation, EMFs, pesticides, environmental pollutants, heavy metals, um, iron dysregulation, excitatory neurotransmitters, uh, dopamine, um, cell phones, notifications. These are going to be energy drainers or they're going to be demanders of your body to make energy. So realize if you're not getting help and you want the DNA to be an amazing test for you, if you can understand what I'm telling you, you're going to get a lot more out of it and understand that your demand for energy is exceeding your supply for energy. And like a business consultant, I want to decrease your expenses so that you have more disposable income to be able to pay your employees, to be able to invest in, in additional um, services to offer or expand your horizons. That's what we're looking to do. 
Um, so as far as the next thing we do is we will extract your raw data and we'll upload it to this reporting site. And now I'll create this um, pyramid that we're looking at. And I, I don't want to get too much into this. I just want to make sure that we're starting with um, the fundamentals of what is a DNA test. Um, what are SNPs? Now, one thing I failed to mention is some genes can be upregulated. So, for example, instead of eight lanes, um, four lanes, and two lanes, those would be considered downregulated genes. You're you're making a transparency with a copy, and for every ten photocopies you make, only maybe six come out, or four come out, or two come out. That's kind of like the analogy of the lanes being closed. But some genes are actually upregulated, meaning for every 10 swipes that you do, there is 14 copies. Or for every, instead of eight lanes, you have 16 lanes. Now, you would think that could be good, right? Because now I'm making that enzyme a lot more effectively. It depends what that enzyme does. So there's an enzyme called KEEP1. And what KEEP1 does, it's one of the most important genes that I find that you never hear about. Um, and I will do another podcast going over my top 10 um, impactful genes for longevity. But KEEP1 is a gene that is upregulated very often. And what that means is it is being produced at greater amounts. And what its action is, is, is to inhibit um, NERF2 from, from, from going um, off or being released. So NERF2 is our antioxidant response elements. So the analogy I use is NERF2 is when you have um, a sprinkler system in your home and there's a fire, knock on wood, and the, the fire, the smoke rises to the sprinkler system, it senses the smoke, and then it releases the water. So think of keep one as the sensor of the smoke. Um, and if it's upregulated, it means that when it releases, it um, lets the water go out. If it's upregulated, it's increasing its inhibition of the water being released. So another way of saying that is think of keep one as the pin in the grenade. So the grenade is going to detonate if the pin isn't in there. So the pin inhibits the grenade from going off or like a dam to a water. The dam protects the water from rolling out of that, that reservoir. So if the dam's not there, the water will roll. If the pin's not in the grenade, the pin will go off. So with keep one, the, the gene is upregulated. The pin is stronger in the grenade. It's harder to take it out. And I always say that's kind of like being at the side of a fire with a fire hose in your hand and you're not turning on the fire. You're not turning on the water. Um, you're going to be more inflamed. And, and that's a very big gene that's very, very polymorphic, meaning very, very common to see that. And ultimately, things you can do for that is things like sulforaphane, um, paractin, which is a really good nutrient, um, and um, turmeric and resveratrol. Those are different things that you can do to support your um, your keep one and your nerf two. Um, now that's another thing I want to talk to you about. So maybe you've done a genetic test like MTHFR and you found out that you have this methylfolate issue. You don't convert folic acid into methylfolate. Your compound heterozygous, meaning you have one copy from one parent and one copy from another parent, could be the same parent at the two different locations, the C677T or the 129AC. And um, it slows down your ability to convert folic acid into methylfolate. So what's the recommendation? Just take methylfolate. 
more importantly, in my opinion, is remove folic acid, whether you have that gene SNP or not. So where do we get folic acid? We get it from synthetic foods, fortified foods, cereals, enriched stuff, um, pastas, grains, if it's synthetic and, and your body has a very difficult time or even supplements that aren't um, methylated, um, you will have a difficult time converting that into the usable form. It's not so much that you're not absorbing it, you're absorbing it, you're not getting it into the cell to create a genomic response, meaning it's not doing what it needs to do. It's not passing the, the baton to the next runner. It's not um, it's not on the assembly line creating the widget. And in this case, 60 to 80% of the methylation is used to repair your muscle and repair your cell membranes. And so anyways, um, what is the point? The point of this is when you find out that you have that gene SNP, what is the recommendation? Typically, the recommendation is to, okay, Mrs. Jones, I need you to take methylfolate. And usually you're taking 800 micrograms, one milligram, which is 1,000 micrograms, two milligrams. I've seen people five milligrams, 5,000 micrograms. That's a lot. Um, it's just too much. And they don't feel good with that. So um, I don't like to treat the gene and just say, hey, take this, see you later, have a nice life. You have a death sentence of, of forever having to take methylfolate. It comes down to understanding the pulsing of supplements and understanding, okay, I have these genes that are problematic. I have this environmental trigger that makes that gene work better or worse. These nutritional things help that gene work as well, cofactors. And depending on how I feel, um, I'm going to pulse this and use this one or two days, feel really great when I feel good, back off and wait till um, I slow down and I don't feel as good and then go back on it again. So there is an art form to supplementing things because you're not just treating the gene. Maybe you had the best interpretation and that provider made a great recommendation for you. It's just that you're getting too much of it. You, you know, there's a thing in life called um, balance and you want to live at that bell-shaped curve um, the mentor of mine, Dr. Bob Miller, who created this software, he uses an analogy. Everything we learned in life, we learned from uh, from Goldilocks and the three bears in terms of um, we don't want too much, we don't want too little. And I think that really rings true for us here. Um, so, so as far as um, the other things I wanted to talk to you about today um, was, was some of the most important gene snips that I see. And maybe I'll just give you what I find my, my, this is we're looking right now at my specific genes here. So um, I'm showing you um, what, what my potential challenges are. And one of the biggest challenges that I find is something called Fenton reactions. So Fenton reactions are when um, we are combining iron with uh, something called a hydroxyl radical, which is a very nasty um, free radical that gets produced when we're not putting out hydrogen peroxide effectively. And when that hydroxyl radical combines with iron, it's a Fenton reaction. And that Fenton reaction is very, very gnarly. I use, I've learned that term when I went to school in California. It's like taking a flamethrower to your cell membranes, to your DNA, to your proteins, um, to your fats. It, it's just it's creating massive, massive problems in your body. It's like rusting on the inside. It is rusting on your inside. When you combine iron with oxygen, it's rust. That's what it is. So what I find is that you don't hear this a lot, and this will help you with your longevity quest more than anything else. 
Um, and it comes down to supply and demand, right? So I always say, if you're not combining the food you eat with the air you breathe to produce energy, which is ATP, CO2, and water, then you are not producing energy at the level you need to. But the problem is, not only aren't you producing energy, you're also producing free radicals. So there's a lot more smoke coming out of the tailpipe. You are either making energy effectively and clearing the exhaust, or you're not making energy effectively and you're making a lot of exhaust. And when you do that, you're actually increasing your demand for more energy, right? Because if you're not making energy effectively, A, you don't have the energy, but B, if that wasn't enough, you have more inflammation that you need more energy to clear. So what I tell people, it's kind of like the analogy of, okay, you're going to work for me for a week. And at the end of the week, instead of you getting a paycheck, you owe me uh, for working for me. Uh, how does that work? That, that means you should be getting an income, but it's costing you in the process. And, and no one's really talking to you about this. And what I want to do is shed light on the importance of hematopoiesis. What that means is, um, how well are you making your red blood cells? Because ultimately, 2.5 million red blood cells per second need to be replaced. And if you times that by 60 seconds, that's per minute. If you times that by 60 minutes, that's per hour. If you try times that by 24 hours, that's per day. That's billions upon billions of red blood cells that need to be replaced. Now, we need to reuse the iron that we have in our body to replace those red blood cells. And 95 to 99% of the red blood cells that we replace in our body are recycled from the iron that we have in our body. And if we are not absorbing iron, if we are not moving iron, if we are not transporting iron, if we are not exporting iron, if we are not recycling iron, um, then we're going to have a problem with keeping up with producing red blood cells that are with hemoglobin that deliver oxygen that make ATP. And if we don't do that, we're making exhaust. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. And you don't really hear people telling you about that. I'm familiar with a very popular DNA company that is out there and promoting things. And they're not talking about hematopoiesis. They're not talking about Fenton reactions. They're not talking about iron overload and hemochromatosis. And they're not talking about um, ceruloplasm. And they're not talking about HMOX and hydrogen peroxide. They, they, they're talking some of those things, but they're not putting all these pieces together. So one of the most important gene SNPs that I have, you'll see it's called this ATOX1, ATOX1. You can see that I have two copies, both mom and dad. Um, you can see that I have a minus three, which means I'm three standard deviations away from the norm compared to everyone else. So who's everyone else? There's about 60,000 people in this database. I don't have access to their DNA, their raw data, but what the developer of this program did was say, okay, when we put your DNA data in here, we're going to compare you on average to the bell-shaped curve of where the average person is, where's one standard deviation, where's two standard deviations, where's three standard deviations, meaning do you have less challenges than the average person in here? Do you have the same challenges as the average person in here? 
or do you have more challenges? Now, I will say, though, that you don't have the average person in here. You don't have the average person in here that's walking in off the streets that um, is exercising and um, and more healthy. You have the person that's been to 10, 15 different doctors and is not getting answers. So if you're the same as them, maybe you have challenges because they have challenges. Um, if you're better than them, maybe you still have challenges because they still have a lot of challenges. Or if you're worse, then probably you have a lot of challenges because most people have some challenges there. So I'm a minus three here, meaning um, minus three, there's three standard deviations that I have more challenge than the average person. And only 6.2% of the database have this particular gene SNP. So I know it's a, a major problem. So the question is, what does this gene do? This gene helps to bring copper into the mitochondria, which is essential for bouncing those electrons on the different complexes, which is essential for making ATP, which is essential for clearing the exhaust, which is essential for making water. And I find many people that have this gene SNP, they have iron dysregulation, they have Fenton reactions, they're producing hydrogen peroxide, they're stimulating their HPA axis, their hormones aren't balanced, and no one is talking to them. So um, that's one of my main gene SNPs that you'll see. Um, you'll see here, I also overabsorb iron. So I am a hemochromatotic person. This is the iron gene that um, most doctors look at if they're looking and assessing you for being a carrier of hemochromatosis. Um, however, my ferritin isn't above the 400 or 500 range. Um, it had been in the two, 300 range, um, but because that range is so broad, um, it's being missed, and most people aren't genetically testing for that. Um, what's more is all of these genes in here can be problematic for iron overload or um, uh, different types of hemochromatosis. But if the traditional medical model is only testing these two genes, then you're being thrown out with the bathwater saying, nope, sorry, Mrs. Jones, you don't have high ferritin. It's not higher than the lab range. Um, albeit it's functionally high, and you don't have the one or two genes that we only look at when we when there's you know 15 other gene SNPs that could be hemochromatotic, hemochromatotic problems as well. So, anyways, um, I wanted to show you that, and then one of the other major genes that I have that I wanted to show you is the nerf two. Remember, I told you about keep one and how keep one is upregulated. You can see I actually have one copy, one parent of the keep one gene that is upregulated. Now, some people have down regulations, which means the gene, the, the, the pin in the grenade comes out easier, which can be helpful. I've seen people that have both. So it's hard to really know which one is expressing. So you, that's where you need to talk to the person. Do you feel like you're toxic? Do you feel like um, you're inflamed? Do you feel brain foggy? Do you have issues when you smell uh, cleaners or perfumes or exhaust and headaches? Those are typically going to be signs of someone that is not releasing their antioxidants effectively. But furthermore, you can see that I have five single copies of NERF2, and I have two two copies of NERF2. So think of it as number one, the pin is stuck in the grenade a little bit more. And number two, when the pin comes out of the grenade, it's like a dud, it doesn't go off. And that can create major issues with antioxidants, with signaling glutathione, with recycling glutathione, with utilizing glutathione. But one other thing that people don't talk about that NERF2 does is it helps to balance 
your growth factors with your detox factors, your mTOR factors with your autophagy factors. So if I'm not able to put the brakes on mTOR, then I'm more likely to have knock on wood, prostate cancer, um, growth-like factors that need to be broken down and cleared out and recycled through autophagy. And now I have these senescent zombie cells that aren't being cleared out as effectively because I have this genetic profile. So anyways, I wanted to share that with you guys today. I know that got quite complex. Um, what I will do on the next one is I'll go over my top 10 genes for um, longevity. Um, there are other genes that are now starting to be studied in the literature. You've probably heard of them, like sirtuin genes. So sirtuin genes are on here. Um, Foxo genes are on here. Um, NAD genes are on here. So I would like to explain that to you on our next go around. You can see I have major NAD issues. Um, and, and it's very important. In fact, I tested my intracellular NAD and found that it was very low. So really what you're wanting to do here is understand genetics is the loaded gun. Environment is the triggers. And, and depending on what you're dealing with, how it's showing up, um, what your lifestyle is, what your mindset is, what your circadian rhythm and habits are, what your dietary approaches are determines how these genes are expressing. And it really gives us a lot of tools to be able to put together to customize a recovery strategy around that so that you can see some astounding results by understanding your DNA 101. So I look forward to talking to you on our next podcast. And until there, make sure that you give us a like, give us a share, and I would love to have a comment on if this is valuable for you. And we read those comments on the air and, and show our appreciation. So until next time, happy longevity efforts. And we'll see you on the next podcast. Hi, thank you so much for watching our Age Reversing Blueprint podcast. If you've made it this far, we sincerely thank you for your attention and your interest in reversing your age. If you're looking to get more information on today's topic or other podcasts that we've had, be sure to check out the show notes and be sure to check out drjoelrosen.com. Have an awesome day.